I did this in the first hour, so you know it's coming. So you can start smiling and getting red now. But uh, we wanted to make sure that, that we brought Harold in correctly. And I uh, told him it's not going to happen every Sunday, but we're going to do it. Uh, we're going to do it right. And actually, this was uh, Ribbon's idea. So uh, we just wanted just to, like I said, welcome you the right way. You're simply the best. give the same disclosure I gave in the early service. You all have high expectations, and <laughs> don't be surprised if you're a little disappointed, but uh, thank you for your warm welcome. We're, we're so excited to be here today and to get started, and we've been humbled by just the Lord's goodness to us. He's worked out so much, and, and we're just thankful for that, and I know lots of you all have been praying for us. Thank you. Uh, we've got notes and uh, Facebook friends and requests, and uh, we feel your love. And I just want to thank you. I got my family up here on the second row. Got my in-laws here today, and uh, y'all take good care of them while they're in. And uh, but just thank you for welcoming us so much. Uh, I, I want to say a special thanks to LD and his leadership. Uh, he's been an encouragement to me. He sent me a message last night. He said it was ten o'clock in Austria. Austria. And I just wanted to say he was thinking about us and praying for us this morning. And so I look forward to, to getting to know him, and I look forward to, to getting to know you. I, I got a lot of names last time, and uh, I've lost them somewhere. And so uh, I'm going to start all over. Uh, I got a little sheet out there. Let me just mention that, that uh, it asks uh, a little bit about your story and a little bit about your family and, and how I can pray for you. Uh, I'd love for you to fill that out. Those are out there in the atrium. And uh, you can just stick it in an envelope that's out there, and uh, that'll help me. It'll help me to know how to pray for you and to know how I can uh, minister to you. I, I look forward to, to being a, a faithful shepherd to you, and so help me out by filling those out. And excited for getting to preach uh, this morning. There's so many things I, I want to just be able to preach, and I only got one service this morning, and so I'll, I'll try to limit it to, uh, to the time frame. Uh, next week, I want to start a series called Building Blocks for Burlington Baptist Church. Uh, last time, we talked about Christ as our foundation, and I just want to spend some time talking about what we build with, and so we'll jump into that on next Sunday. Uh, this morning, I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to ask the question, what is our church known for? What is our church known for? I, I'm calling it our church because in the early service, Jenny and I, we joined, and so this we're part of the church now. And so uh, what is our church known for? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. If you'd stand with me, I'd love to, uh, to read this. Love to invite the college age, uh, 18 to whatever. If you feel like you're in that age, come out this evening around 630. I'd love to just get to know you and hang out with you and maybe play some cornhole or something. So uh, we'll do that this afternoon. 
Here's what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as we were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head unto Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Will you pray with me? Father, we, we come this morning, we want to humble ourselves before you, and we want to ask you to give us ears that can hear your word. We know we desperately need your word. We know you are the, the author and the inspiration of every word in, your, in the Bible. And we pray that your spirit would speak mightily through your word. I'm, I'm humbled by the privilege of being able to, to speak uh, to these people this morning. I'm humbled by the privilege to, to be their pastor. I, I pray you would help me to be faithful in that. Lord, I pray that I'd not trust in my own abilities. You're the vine, I'm the branch. I know if I remain in you, I can bear much fruit, but apart from you, I can do nothing. I, I acknowledge that this morning, and I pray that you will increase, that I'll decrease. Uh, but even in these few moments, we pray you give us ears to hear, and we pray you do your work, Lord. If there's someone that needs to be saved this morning, that's our prayers, that they would turn from their sins and believe upon Jesus. Uh, Lord, there's other things that I know you want to accomplish through your word this morning. We pray that, that you would have freedom to speak to our hearts, and we'd be receptive this morning. And we would give you all the praise. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I, I know there are lots of uh, baseball fans around here. Cubs got us last night, didn't they? Uh, but in baseball, you have nine players. And uh, it's important to, to get them in the right position. And once you get them in the position, then you can work on the hitting and the pitching and the fielding and all that. Uh, and you can even work on being a team. And the same is true, football, soccer, most sports, uh, you work together as a team, and, and the same thing can be said about the church. Uh, we're a team, and we're a body, and we're to, to work together, and, and in regards to the church, it's so important that we, and you know, you get the right people in the right positions, and then you equip the people. Uh, we need to then work and serve together as a team for the right reasons. And that's to make Christ known and, and to make disciples and, and to reach a lost world. And, and listen, as we work together and serve together and grow together, uh, the Lord will use us to, to reach more of our community and bring Him glory. And, uh, and so we want to be a, a healthy church, a, a growing church, a, a, a discipling church. And so the question this morning is, what, 
should a healthy church be known for? What are we known for? And that's a good question, and there are lots of legitimate answers to that question. Uh, Paul, I think, would give us three specific answers in regards to to what the church should be known for. Here in uh, Ephesians 4, uh, we should be known for our unity, we should be known for our ministry, and we should be known for our maturity. Unity, ministry, and maturity. I'm going to talk about those three this morning. Let's jump into chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, I, therefore, and we know Paul is the author because he tells us in chapter 1, verse 1, uh, he's the author. Uh, he's writing to the church that's in Ephesus, and uh, he introduces himself. And uh, if you know anything about Ephesians, the first three chapters is theology. Uh, Paul wants to tell us who we are in Christ, teaches some doctrine, and then chapters 4 through 6 is the application of what he's taught us in the first three chapters. And so we come, and we know in chapter 2 he said you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, and so he tells us who we are and where we are without Christ, uh, but, but then he says that God being rich in mercy... With the great love in which he loved us, he made us alive together in Christ. And, and by his grace, he has saved us. And, and church, because of the grace of God, because of the fact that he has saved us, that should be all the motivation that we need to live for him and to serve him and, to, and then to go out and to share him with others. Now, Paul reminds us there that he is a prisoner for the Lord. Uh, Paul writes this letter from prison in Rome. And I always think it's interesting. He doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I, I'm sold out to Jesus. I'm, I'm his prisoner. I'm his slave. And he says, says, therefore, I urge you, church, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, Paul would give us a warning and say, listen, it can be tough being a Christian. It can be hard on you. And it got him in prison. Uh, people hated him. People hated his message. And listen to the believers. God calls us out of darkness and into the light. He calls us to be a distinct people. And guess what? That, that's hard sometimes. Uh, and so I want to wonder this morning, as a church and then individually, are you, am I, living in a manner worthy of the calling from which we've been called? And if we want to take that name, Christian, And I think all of us want to be called Christian. That means follower of Christ. If we want to take that name, then we ought to make sure that our walk is in a manner worthy of that name. So back to this question, what is our church known for? Uh, The first answer is in verses 2 through 4. Let's be known by our unity in Christ. Let's be known by our unity in Christ. Now, we don't have to look far today to find disunity and, and division We live in a very divided nation. There are two political parties going in very opposite directions. Uh, Usually there's very little civil discourse uh, and and lots of disunity. Uh, Even in the state, we we live in a state that's divided. Uh, But we're the church. And as the church, God desires unity. He desires oneness in our body. Now, listen, unity is not uniformity. Uh, We don't all agree about everything. Uh, we have different views about life and uh, about uh, politics and probably even the direction of the church. And that's okay. But, but unity is when we come together and we work together for the common purpose of making Christ known and, and making disciples and loving one another. Unity involves having Christ-like convictions about some things. And so uh, united, unified in our Christ-like conduct. 
unified in our Christ-like conduct or behaviors. And in verse 2, Paul identifies four behaviors that ought to be characteristic of the believers. Let me just point those out. Uh, Humility. We know what that is. Lowliness. Gentleness. Uh, That's meekness. That's conviction under control. Uh, The best example of that is Jesus. Jesus had strong convictions, didn't he? And yet, he was under control. And he invites us to, to follow him. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And, and so we, we want to be like Jesus. We want to have strong convictions, but we want to be able to express them under control. Thirdly is patience or long-suffering. Now that means being patient with people. That's hard sometimes. This is talking about patience without retaliation, without revenge, uh, without anger. And then fourthly, bearing with one another in love. Now, church, I don't have to tell you that this isn't a pie-in-the-sky stuff. We, we, we can't do this on our own. We need Christ in us. We have to put on Christ. But these are qualities that should characterize our conduct, especially with one another. Uh, I didn't mention this in the first class, but I read a book last year called Unoffendable. Uh, I just want to mention it to you. The premise of the book is that we can be intentionally unoffendable. Now, we live in a world that's very offendable. They all, people's always looking for a reason to be offended. And I say, enough already. Now, listen, I don't want to challenge anybody. I, I just want to, would suggest today that you probably can't offend me. I, I don't want you to try. Uh, <laughs> I won't speak for my wife or anybody else, but uh, we can go through life and be intentionally unoffendable, but say, I'm not going to look for a reason to be offended. Uh, I I think as believers, we should try that. Uh, We don't have to look like the world in that. We can put on humility, gentleness, patience, and, and love. And I would suggest some of you need to add those four characteristics to your prayer list because we need lots of help. And so we're to be united in Christ in these areas, and and thankfully we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3 says that uh, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. And so the Spirit is our bond. He's the one who keeps us together in peace. And if there's disunity in the body, you, you know why? Because somebody's not walking in the Spirit. Uh, Colossians 3 is kind of a parallel passage, and it, it says, Above all these, put on love. Above all these other characteristics, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, I, I have to confess this sometimes. There have been times where, where I've allowed doctrine to, to puff me up, and I acted sinful towards others, and I neglected humility and gentleness and, and uh, patience and bearing with others in love. And, and maybe you're here this morning and say, well, I, I've forgotten some of those sometimes in how I treat others. And sometimes I've been harsh and I've had a haughty attitude and I, I've been impatient. Well, listen, confess those to God. He'll forgive you. He'll even help you uh, to put on humility and gentleness and patience. And so not only are we to be uh, unified in our Christ-like conduct, but secondly, we are, we're to be unified in our Christian convictions, our, our, our beliefs, our doctrine. And so verses 4 through 6 reminds us that our theology matters. And uh, Paul identifies seven components of our faith that, that we should be unified in. Let me just run through those. Uh, verse 4, uh, there is one body. That's the church. We, we've been brought together through faith into to one body. Uh, one 
Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who has the power to bring us together into the body and to keep us uh, united in the body, uh, called together to one hope. That's our hope in Christ. Uh, that's our hope in the promises of His Word. Then verse 5, we have one Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Acts 4.12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby a man must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. We have one Lord. We have one faith. That's, that's our personal trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, we have one baptism. We think that's referring to water baptism. Tanner was baptized this morning. That's an outward expression of that inward faith that we have. And it's a reminder that, that faith is, is the inward belief. Uh, baptism is the outward expression of our faith. And then it says uh, in verse 6, One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. And so uh, we're to be unified in, in these beliefs. And, and that verse uh, 6 is, 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 is God is one God. Uh, yet he reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we see all three of those in these verses. Uh, verse 4 speaks of the Spirit. Verse 5 speaks of the Son. And verse 6 speaks of the Father. And that's the glorious doctrine of the Trinity. One God revealed in three persons. And verse 6 says he's overall, And that's the sovereignty of God. And not only is he over all, but it says that he is through all and in all. That's, that's the intimacy of God. And my family, we, we've just been overwhelmed the last few weeks. We, we always believed in the sovereignty of God, that he rules over all. But, but we've seen him intimately and through all the details. He's working out all, every little detail. He's in all and through all, and yet he is over all. Now, that's the glorious God that we have. And, and those are some things, church, that we must be unified in. A true church is unified in our beliefs about God. Now, we might not have everything figured out, and, and we might not see everything exactly eye to eye, but, but we surely agree on these things. And most importantly, we agree on the fact that people need a saving relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus came to pay our sin debt, and he went to the cross and on the cross, he became sin for us. He bore our sin. He paid our debt. And, and he died and was buried and was raised again. And, and now it is through Jesus and Jesus alone that someone is able to be saved and, and, and get the promises of heaven and be able to be saved from a, a real place called hell. All of that is contingent upon the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way. And as a church, we are united in Christ and Him alone for salvation. And so, Burlington Baptist Church, let's be known for our unity in Christ. Now, there's a lot to cover here. So, verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We're, we're thankful for grace uh, I love to talk about and preach about and sing about grace. It's grace that's saved us and brought us into the family. And, and uh, verses 8 through 10, they're, they're a little bit more difficult. Uh, Paul says, therefore it says, and here he quotes a, a psalm of David, Psalm 68, 18. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended to the lower regions of the earth? 
He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And so when Jesus went back to heaven, he did not leave his church empty-handed. As our risen and ascended Lord, he gave gifts to his church. He's like a victorious king who takes the plunder and divides it amongst his people. Well, Jesus has given us spiritual gifts. And so Paul reminds us of a familiar saying, God didn't just save us from our sins, but he saved us for service. And as such, he has given us these enabling gifts to serve the body. We, we often refer to them as spiritual gifts. Uh, I, we won't get down in the weeds of spiritual gifts this morning. Uh, But basically what Paul's saying here is that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus arose as our victorious king. He led captive the powers of evil that had enslaved us. And he gave these gracious gifts, these spiritual gifts to his church. And so Jesus came down from heaven, verse 9, descended into the lower regions, the earth. He left heaven. He came down here. Verse 10 reminds us that he also now has ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And so let me try to simplify that. That just means that through his incarnation, his coming from heaven to earth, his sinless life, his, the cross, bearing our sins, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension... By accomplishing all those things, uh, he fulfilled all the prophecies. He accomplished uh, his purposes of our salvation. Uh, He he purchased uh, the church, which is his bride. And not only did he do all those things, but, but he gained the right to be the head of the church. That's verse 15. And not only the head of the church, but he gives these gracious gifts to his church. Uh, you can read about these gifts in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll, we'll talk about those gifts later. Uh, but here's what we know to be true. Verse 7, everyone has a spiritual gift. Now, I'm not talking about natural talents. I look around, and I know many of you have natural talents. But, but specifically here, we're talking about spirit-enabled gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift. Now, who's got a gift? Each of us. As each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As God has given each of you a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so some of you this morning need to be exhorted to use your gifts. Uh, One day the master is going to come back. And we've got to give an account of how we use the gifts that he gave us. Now you don't remember in the parable what some of the... Servants did. They went and buried their gift. Listen, don't, don't do that. God has given you a gift for the good of this body. Use it for His glory. Uh, you'll have to give an account. Verse 11, He mentions some of the gifts. He gave apostles. We know that they were foundational in the early church. He gave prophets. These are ones who foretell uh, the truth, boldly proclaim the truth. He gave evangelists. And these are people who proclaim the gospel in powerful ways. When we think about Billy Graham, he was a, a powerful evangelist. We, we think about Greg Lowry today. We think about maybe Chuck McAllister and others. These are people that, that God just has a special anointing upon them. And when they proclaim the gospel, many people get saved. And it don't have to be big crowds. It can be one-on-one. God specifically gifts some to be evangelists. Now, we're all to, to be evangelists uh, in sharing our faith. But, but some are particularly gifted in that. 
And then he mentions shepherds or, or pastors and teachers. Uh, we most often just refer to this as pastor-teacher. And so God has given gifts to his church so that the church can be known for a second thing, not only our unity in Christ, but secondly, our ministry for Christ. Notice verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so let's be known for our ministry for Christ. I, I know that this church and many of you are already known for some of the ministries that they do. You've heard the motto, every member a minister. Well, that's biblical. Uh, that word minister means service. Every member is to be a minister in that regards. And so we've already seen this in verse 7 that we all have some gifts. We are entrusted with spiritual gifts. I have certain gifts that God's entrusted to me. You have certain gifts that God's entrusted to you. And again, you're going to be accountable for those. And so use them. And I, I want to help you to use those gifts. That, that's one of the things that I'm supposed to do. And, and part of my biblical job description there is in, in as a pastor teacher in verse 11 is, is in verse 12, to equip the saints. And so uh, I, I'm the, a pastor teacher. And I, I told them in the earlier group, it, you might come to a point where you think you got shortchanged. Uh, God's sending me to be your pastor teacher. And if you ever feel that way, then, then just pray for me. Because uh, I need lots of help. Uh, God doesn't have a lot to work with sometimes. And so uh, pray for me. But follow along here, verse 11. He gave some to be uh, shepherds and teachers. And, and what did he give them for? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Uh, now we have to note here, he didn't give the pastors and teachers to do the work of ministry, but to equip the saints. And so as such... Uh, everyone is to be a part of the ministry. Secondly, we are to be equipped for service. It's kind of like a play, and uh, we all have a part to play. Now, in any play, some people have a bigger parts and others have smaller parts, but the, the key is for everybody to do their part. And when everybody does their part, then it's a, a pretty nice play. Well, that's kind of the picture of the church. And so I'm supposed to quip, and I do that through teaching and leading and modeling and, and encouraging. And I've not always been good at equipping. I, I'd rather be a doer, uh, but I've figured it out. That's not healthy for the body, and, and so I've had to confess that a lot and probably will have to confess that a lot more. But, but church, you're to be equipped for ministry. You're going to say, well, what, what is the ministry? Well, there, there's a lot. There's evangelism, and there's making disciples, and there's caring for orphans and widows. There's uh, rescuing the perishing, caring for the dying. There's mentoring, and there's all kinds of ministries. You know what the ministries are. You're to be equipped for those ministries. Again, there's lots of ministry. But there's not always lots of ministers. And uh, all of you are to be equipped for the work of ministry. Uh, often, uh, somebody in the church will ask somebody to help in a ministry, and, and, and you'll say, well, I, I can't do that. Well, you can if we equip you. And so you have Pastor Jeff and Pastor Danny and Pastor Kevin and, and uh, Beth and so many more. We, we want to equip you for the work of ministry. I, I want you to be sharing your faith. I, I realize that if I want you to share your faith, then I have to equip you to share the gospel. Now, I can't equip you if you're sitting home on the couch. Amen? And so when there's opportunities for equipping, you have to come and, and be equipped. 
Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This is God's design for the edification of his church. And so when we get equipped and we start doing ministry, the church is built, the church grows, the church reaches out, gets stronger. It's a beautiful picture of Christ's church in the way that, that he gives us these instructions. And then we, be, we become known for our ministry for Christ. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity, there's that word unity again, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And so a third thing that we should be known for is our maturity in Christ. Let's be known for our maturity in Christ. And uh, verse verse 13 is such a, a good picture of what it looks like to be maturing. Uh, it mentions unity in the faith. You know, when we're, when we're immature, we're kind of selfish. You all know what I'm saying? And we all want our way. But as we begin to mature in the faith, we, we come to more unity and more selflessness. There's knowledge. Uh, this is knowledge of, of Christ. Where do we get that knowledge? Well, the Word of God tells us all that we need to know about Jesus and His work. And so we, we grow in that. And, and then thirdly, we become mature. That word means complete or perfect till we come to the measure, it says in verse 13, to the statue of the fullness of Christ. Listen, God didn't save you simply to take you to heaven. If he had, you'd already be gone. He saved you to make you look more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29, he is working in us to conform us more and more into the image of his son. That's called sanctification, and, and that starts when we get saved, and that doesn't end until we meet Jesus. He is making us more and more like Jesus, verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now, you don't need me to come and tell you that there's lots of immaturity in the church today. You know that, right? And so what we need is some convictions. We need some commitments to the, the teachings of the Word of God. And, and let me say this, not, not every doctrine has to divide us. There are some things that we have to be united on. Verses 4 through 6, one Lord, one faith. We, we have to be united on those, but, but there are other things that, that we can see differently. Uh, in this chapter, it's talking about spiritual gifts. We, we may have a different view about spiritual gifts, and that's okay. But notice verse 15, rather speaking the truth in love. Verse 15 is such an important verse. And so let me say this. Let's be maturing in our speech and language. Let's be maturing in our speech and language. I, I told the earlier group, I'm not your dad. And you can say amen to that. I'm your pastor. And one thing that really disheartens a pastor is for, hear, for him to hear speech that is not in love. And more commonly than then speech even now is, is social media and to see posts uh, that aren't in love, that, that do not at all reflect Christ. And uh, it's not with humility and gentleness and patience and love. And, uh, and so sometimes I have a conversation and people say things like, well, listen, I have a right to, for my voice to be heard. And I say, okay, let me ask you a question. And here's the question, is Jesus your Lord? Is Jesus your Lord? And if the answer to that question is yes, then it needs to be done in love. 
It needs to be spoken in love. It needs to be uh, put out there in love. And, and I, I tell you, listen, I don't, I don't know very many of you, but I suspect some of you need to get off the social media because you're sinning by some of the things that you post on there. And if something's causing you to sin, you know what you ought to do? You ought to cast it off. If it reflects badly on Christ's church, then just get rid of it. Man, I, I've had to confess that a few times. There's been times where I want to post something. Maybe I want to blast somebody, and I, I type it out, and then I, then I look at it. And really, the question you have to ask is, is this going to honor Christ? And if the answer is no, what do we do? Delete, 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 delete. Yeah, there's a button called delete or backspace. And uh, I'll tell you, most of the times when I delete something, I'm always glad I did. I didn't send it out there, and I think, well, I'm glad I didn't put that. Wasn't, that was fleshly. And, uh, and so, church, I, I hope you receive biblical instruction in love. If you can't say or post something in love, then, then delete it. Amen? Delete it for the glory of God. That's Bible. Verse 15, speak the truth in love. We are to grow up into every way into him who is the head. The head is Christ. He's the head of the church. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow that it builds itself up in love. And so secondly, let's be maturing in our sensitivities and love. In regards to maturing in Christ, Paul starts this chapter in verse 2 with bearing with one another in love. And and then we come to verse 16, he ends with love. We can't neglect love within the church. I mean, the greatest commandment, Jesus says, is to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. The greatest commandment is to love God. I'll be talking about that in the next few weeks. The second is like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, and so we, we all probably have a long ways to go there, don't we? Uh, Danny's in taking some classes. In my seminary days, I used to take my doctrinal club with me. And, uh, man, I could beat somebody over the head with it. And, and uh, then I recognized that that was pride and harshness and impatience and sinful speech. And listen, I can't excuse all that by saying I'm standing on the truth because God's Word says speak truth in love and bear one another and walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And, and, and so humility and gentleness and patience. And so let me ask that question again before we end. What, what is our church known for? And when I ask that question, you're the church. We're the church. When our community sees you and I, what, what do they see? Do they see our unity in Christ? Do they see our ministry for Christ? And do they see our maturity in Christ? And Paul ends there, each part is working properly. Each part is is using their gifts, working properly. It makes the body grow and it builds itself up in love. That's the picture that Christ has for His church. Let's pray. Father, we just want to acknowledge this morning that this is Your church. You're the head of the church. and God, we want to look, we want to look more like Jesus. And You've given us instructions. And uh, Lord, sometimes our lives, our conduct is not in line with Your Word. And so... Uh, lead us this morning to repentance. Some here may have been divisive. Some here maybe have not used their spiritual gifts. Maybe because not everybody's used their spiritual gifts that the church has suffered. Lord, I suspect there's some who have not guarded their speech, not been loving and patient and gentle. Forgive us of that, Lord. Thank you that you're so gracious to 
to show us our impatience and our harshness. Lord, maybe in our social media, maybe you've convicted some of us about some of the things that we post and some of the language that we use. Lord, we invite you this morning to, to do a little heart surgery. Make us look a little more like Jesus by confessing our sins. And, and Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us. Uh, Lord, it's easy to blow it in so many of these areas, and yet you're patient towards us. Thank you for that. Lord, our prayer this morning is that you might use your word in the lives of your church. And we pray that if there's someone here that's lost, this morning they've been reminded of how much you love us. You reminded us on the cross. We pray that someone might be saved. And Lord, if it's your pleasure this morning, we, we pray you might add some to this body. That we might serve together. That we might be your church. Bless this invitation, Lord. We pray for that. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand this morning and listen, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about something, we, we want to invite you to, to respond. We'll, I'll be down front and there'll be some others down front. And, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper this morning. And, you know, Paul warns us to examine ourselves. If you have any unconfessed sin this morning, we want to invite you to confess it. You can do it here or there. Confess your sins. And make sure that there's no unresolved issues or conflict in your life. And, and uh, if you need to be saved this morning, uh, man, that would be the greatest privilege. Is I'd love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you respond this morning. We'll sing. You're invited to come.